If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of the co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with the other co-host, the host you like the most, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hey, hey, what do you say? Yeah. And today we're going to be talking to Gloria Godron. Did I, did I say that correctly? You know what? It's close enough. Close? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'll be corrected later. Um, we're going to be talking to her <laughs> about her journey leaving the Mennonite faith and becoming a life coach. Um, should be really exciting conversation. Uh, before we jump in, we have to say a big thank you to all of our patrons out there. You guys on Patreon are what keeps this show going. We owe you all exactly how much you've helped us, which is Pretty easy to see. They give you a receipt. Um, <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, we, we like to review some of what people's been up to on our social medias and different stuff. Uh, today, we're going to review some comments on YouTube. Um, for the first time, we hit over a thousand views on one of our videos, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and in the comments on that video, uh, it's the episode we did with uh, Dr. Heiser not too long ago. You guys can check that out. Irene Dell said, all of Michael Heiser's um, teachings are eye-opening and blessings to me. And Misty Harpazo said, great interview, love Dr. Heiser. Um, We just also take on the love for Dr. Heiser's compliments to us to make us feel better. So thank you guys. (laughs) Um, And before we do anything else, we always do a silly question. Um, Primarily because silliness is the easiest form of unity. Uh, it's easy to collaborate when there are absolutely no stakes. Um, so we're going to start off, and TJ and I will answer it first, give you time to think about it. If you could have one perfect disguise, what would it be? Uh, TJ, do you want to go first? I can. Uh, so it might sound insane, but I think the best answer for me living in upstate South Carolina uh, would be a perfect disguise of Donald Trump. Because... Oh. It could probably just get whatever I want if I looked exactly like Donald Trump. Also, I'd be 6'3", which would be pretty sick. So, be yeah. There's a lot of benefits, and it, this is a not very liberal part of the country. So I don't think yeah. there would be a lot of drawbacks. <laughs> um, I'm going to give an incredibly lame answer that I know I have better answers for, and I just can't think of any. Because, like, you ever do that where, like, you hear a question and you just have an answer in your head and you know there's better answers, but you can't get that answer out of your head? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I am I am forced by my own brain to say that I want a perfect disguise as a SeaWorld employee so that I can get in whenever I want. I think I could do that, too. Well, my... It's well, really I think far. my perfect disguise... I was, like, I was trying to think about it, and I think that... Mine would be like any kind of like superhero because like that is so not me. 
And so like, I could just kind of get away with whatever, because I am like the most, um, unintimidating person. So if I would have like a superhero, you know, disguise, I could get away with a lot more. Pretty, no pretty good answer. Yeah. Plus I could do a bunch of stuff and make it look like Donald Trump did it. And that could just get <laughs> infinitely funny. I'd go to a skate park. Yeah, every day there's just something new on the news. Uh, Donald yeah. Trump loves D and D. Oh no! But, you could uh, do it. Give it a go. Nobody yeah. would know. Right. Uh, so on to the real podcast. Uh, one of the things uh, we believe is extremely useful for church unity is to hear one another's testimonies. Uh, so uh, would you mind giving us like a snapshot of your testimony? So. Okay, so my testimony is pretty broad, and um, I think I'm going to dive into the whole Mennonite part of it right here. So I'm going to give a little brief overview of what Mennonite is for people who don't know. So Mennonite is kind of a, if you know what Amish is, it's kind of a branch. But Mennonite is as broad as, let's say, Baptist or something. So like some people are very, very conservative Mennonite, super conservative Mennonite, And other people are just like maybe Mennonite in name only. So like they carry the Mennonite name, but they don't have any distinctions. Um, So my testimony with that is I grew up in a very, very conservative Mennonite. If you would have seen me and you would know anything about the Amish, you would have said I was Amish. And so the distinction between the Amish and the Mennonite at that point is very slight variances in dress. And then also um, we could have electricity and cars and some common things like that. And so I grew up with scripture and, you know, in a Christian home, you know, my whole life. But for so long, my, um, my basis of wanting to get to know God was out of fear of like, I don't want to go to hell. And so, you know, from the age of like, like 12 to 14, like I, you know, prayed the sinner's prayer and became saved. I don't know how many times because it was like, I never felt saved because I was just afraid that I wasn't good enough to go to heaven. And so that became kind of this trajectory of my life of like seeking God out of fear. And when I hit 16 is probably when I would say I actually became a Christian and where I understood really Christ's work for me. But it wasn't until I hit 30 after we had left the Mennonites out of that whole journey with that of where I came out of the whole fear workspace and into what is, I believe, the finished work of Christ, Christ's redemption for my soul. And his work, which will get me into heaven, not my own efforts. So that's where I would say my testimony of who I am in Christ started. It's crazy how similar that sounds. Um, And I feel like yours is probably an exaggerated version, but we hear a lot of like people who go through stuff like that, where, you know, they grow up just almost afraid of their religion and then Mm -hmm. kind of open up to... Uh, what I guess James would call true religion. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, But um, now I do wonder with that, I know the Mennonites branched off from the Anabaptist and early on in history, and this is one of those where history doesn't always match current events. So I'm just kind of curious. The big thing that distinguished them was just kind of that nonviolence culture. Um, 
Is, would you say that's still kind of a part of the Mennonite culture? Is that kind of something they left behind? No, it's still very much a part of it. And this is something that we have, you know, talked extensively, you know, in our family and just like even extended family and friends. So what is nonviolence? And they still take a very, very strong stance on separation of church and state and of not getting involved in the military or, you know, any kind of violent physical thing. But the question that I like to, you know, probe into is really what is nonviolence? Because isn't that, shouldn't that be more based from also how I feel about my brother? And so there is not necessarily a hundred percent of a nonviolence, I think, in any Christian form, but like they would still take a very, very strong stance in military nonviolence. But I feel like violence has creeped in just in division and just in the, you know, in the interaction of maybe where there isn't quite the, the peace and forgiveness that there would have been among the brethren as there would have been at one time. Okay. Yeah. Um, was it, was it, was it Jesus? I think <laughs> the one who said, um, if you harbor hate in your heart towards a brother, you've committed murder. Right. So I, I kind of, exactly. I see what you're saying with that. Um, it's, it's interesting. Now I'm, I'm going to let TJ do the part that is actually scripted after this. Um, <laughs> it's interesting to me because, um, having studied some world religions and stuff in, in college at a, like a secular college, it, it kind of, Rings similar to some of the Eastern religions with the nonviolent stuff. And I know with a lot of those religions, it's, they can't even step on a bug. Like that's just, that's too far. Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. sort of a thing there too? Or is that? No, not at on? all. <laughs> okay. No, not at all. Um, the, where it's, it's much more a thing of you don't take another person's life. Um, okay. so they believe in, you know, very much the sanctity of life where God created you know, God provided the life. God is the one responsible for taking the life again at his own time. And so, you know, and then the 10 commandments, thou shalt not kill. Like that's a huge one. And again, you know, just anything with killing another person, that's where it was. But as far as like towards animals, towards, you know, bugs, towards anything, not, not even, not even close. It's, it's not in that at all. I mean, I think that's good, but. I guess that depends, yeah, depends right. who you ask. I don't want to fly in my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, right. I feel like that's just, uh, you have to be too cautious with that. Um, now, right. I, I, I said I was going to be done. Um, this will be a quick yes or no. We'll pretend like this is like pre-speed round. Um, All right. Are they against the death penalty then, or do, or do they have a stance on that? They do have a stance on that. Most of them would be against the death penalty. Okay. And that, and there again, I don't, you hate to lump everybody, you know, and obviously there's times when you just feel like, man, you know, what that person has done is so huge that how can they deserve to live? But there again, they feel like, like as long as there is breath, there is hope and there is hope for redemption. And that, you know, why would you want to take somebody's life prematurely if you know that there would still be a chance that maybe they would come to repentance or where they could find, you know, salvation. And so if they would take that into their own hands, they would feel like that they're kind of playing God in the fact of saying, you're done, Mm -hmm. you don't get another chance. And that's not us for us to call that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I apologize. I asked you so much. I know that's, um, 
No, I'm you totally behind, into this. So I didn't know if that's like <laughs> that's not no. weird to talk about, but I was just curious. All right. Uh, so from time to time, you know, occasionally on the whole church podcast, uh, something we used to do a lot more. Uh, we like to do our speed round. Uh, gonna ask right, you uh, the following questions. We're not allowed to ask follow up questions. And, uh, the only rules are, uh, we like you to ask, to answer it in a sentence, one sentence. It can be a long sentence, but it has to be one. Or and, less. Uh, or less. Or, uh, or a compound sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Uh, or if you don't feel comfortable answering or you don't think you can do it in a sentence, you just say skip and we go to the next one. Got it. Got it. All right. Ready? All right. What right. is the gospel? The gospel is who I am in Christ because of Christ's finished work on the cross and his death and resurrection. Uh, do you believe in the doctrine of the elect? No. Are you more Calvinist or Arminian? Arminian. Uh, what are your beliefs on the Trinity? One sentence, one sentence. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are one, but they are also separate. All right. Uh, do you believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit? Yes and no. All right. Is baptism of the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues? It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, are you more pre, mid, or post-tribulation? You didn't give me my choice. I'm a pan, whatever pans out, because I think it's going to look different than any of the pre, mid, or post actually have it planned out to be. All right. Uh, do you believe in a one-tone sanct a one-time sanctification, or a more continual sanctification? Okay, this is going to be a long compound sentence. Okay, that is. Allowed. I believe that you are completely sanctified at the time of salvation, but there will be a continuing growth in sanctification until the time of our death. All right. Uh, how many, if any, of the seven sacraments do you practice? That is baptism, Eucharist. Holy Orders, Marriage, Reconciliation, Confirmation, and the Anointing of the Sick. Four. All right. And that is it for the speed round. I had to turn pages just to make sure there weren't more, but uh, very well done. We usually get at least one skip, so <laughs> congratulations. Well, I went over them beforehand, so I'm like, I think I can do this. Smart. But now the speed round's done, which four were <laughs> the sacraments that you follow? Okay, so baptism marriage, reconciliation, and um, the anointing of the sick. All right. Nice. Nice. So not, not the Eucharist, not the... And the confirmation, some people do, some people don't. I haven't necessarily myself, but um, yeah, those nice. four. Cool. Interesting. Um, I'm kind of... Oh, I'm not even skipping. I didn't add this in here. I've been curious. So you left the Mennonite faith. Uh, what church are you at now? Do we get more than one sentence on this one? Oh, we're done with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that has been a huge journey for us. We left the Mennonites about 16 years ago, and we have been uh, very involved in other churches, but um, not settled into a church. I feel like for us, um, church is in your heart. 
Churches is wherever you're at worshiping God, and that can be in your home. That can be on the beach. It can be anywhere. I believe that there is a great value in the in the bodily getting together of of the church. I believe there's great value. But to be very honest, because of our experience and seeing a lot of that being trickled over into churches of America rather than just one denomination, there is a void that um, is lacking in so many of the churches that we don't really want to just hone in and say, this is it, we're all in for that, because one of the things that, that we have had the privilege of doing is just being around a lot of people who were not Christians and who maybe lived a good moral life, but they just felt no need of God. And so many of them have had this repulsion to church. And God has allowed us to be very instrumental in their lives. And church to them is not a welcoming place. And that breaks my heart. I feel like church should be a welcoming place. So your your answer to that is not really a certain denomination. Not really. I mean, we've been very involved in different churches. We've been very involved in home churches. But actually, our heart is very much more for, like, just who does God have in front of me today? Where am I supposed to be showing him today? So sometimes that is actively in a church, and sometimes that's just being with my neighbors. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. I've um, definitely in my own life had some of my favorite, what I would consider church moments just at like a middle of a Domino's where I worked or Bilo or stuff yes. like that. So I, I think I kind of get what you mean by that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really Because I feel like, I feel like we have kind of, um, a long time ago, a long time ago, there was a, a song and I don't remember who it was, but it says something about you can't go to church because the church is you. And I think that so many times we kind of, you know, put church as in a church building or put it in a church organization. And really we forget the fact that we are the church. And so it's more about, wait, I'm supposed to be living this, like you said, at Domino's, wherever you're working or whatever you're doing, how is my life showing Christ as a, a part of the church of who he is? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, <laughs> now, one other thing we did want to talk about was um, you said you're a life coach now. And for those who don't know, we would just, what exactly is a life coach? I feel like that's a good place to start. <laughs> All right. So a life coach, let's start with what it's not. It's not a counselor and it's not a therapist. So counseling and therapy are so, so important to go back and to, you know, maybe heal the wounds or, you know, to take care of, you know, stuff from your past. But life coaching is about going forward of who do I want to become and what do I need to do to get there? What do I want my relationships to look like? How do I want to live my own life? And for some people, that's like super, just like basic personal goals of like, I need to learn time management. I want my life to look more organized. Other people, that's more internal. Like, I'm just not happy. Like, I, I feel so stuck in my circumstances and I want to be happy. So just today, I, was, I just got off the call with, you know, a person that I was coaching and she had, you know, just, you know, hurts in her past. And she had spent, you know, a lot of time with the counseling and with the therapy and, 
And all of that was healed. She said, but I was so stuck in knowing how do I go forward? What do I do with the forgiveness? And how do I now actively be in a relationship with this situation, but yet being in integrity to herself and who she is and what she wants out of life? That's a life coach. So basically, and the fun thing is it's life. And so, you know, I get people with all kinds of things of where maybe they feel stuck in life and they're like, I want something different. And I coach women. And so for some, it's, you know, uh, help me figure out this mom thing. Like I'm overwhelmed. I'm angry with my kids. (laughs) Other people, it's time management. Some people, it's like, I want something different with my health. Some people, it's marriage. And so really wherever it shows up in their life, And one thing that is so fascinating, it's like how we do one thing is how we do many things. So you can't say to me, I just want help with my health because how you do your health is how you do other things in your life. If you're carrying stress, if you're carrying, you know, whatever, that's going to affect it. So that's a life coach helping you to see who do I want to become? What do I want to do? And then giving you the tools and the, the mindsets to walk into that. All right. I've definitely noticed that in my life. When I start to fix one thing, everything else kind of seems to go with it. Absolutely. Because you start improving the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you start improving the one thing. It's like, oh, that felt good. And since I feel good in this area, I'm improving in this area. And it's just it's just a positive effect all the way around. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few of the ways you can support us, the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite Church Unity podcast. Yeah, so you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast. You can subscribe to our show wherever great podcasts are found. You can rate this show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter by going to our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can share this episode on your own social media, or you can donate to our cash app using the tag that's in the show notes. Especially that last one. It's a great way to contribute if you don't want to be burdened by like a monthly payment, or if you just want us to get all of the money but with no middleman at all. Patreon is already really good at that, but yeah. you know, if you don't necessarily need the rewards you get from supporting us on Patreon, then cash yeah. app's the way to go. There's a lot of needs with the show, and uh, you guys really are the only way we're able to keep this going, so thank you. Thanks. All right. So what got you started as a life coach? What inspired you? What inspired me was the wreck of my own life. So, you know, going back to the whole, um, you know, not knowing who I was in Christ and living in that fear. And with that came so much anxiety, like to the point where I was having panic attacks. And, you know, the thing of it is, is like, you think that it's your circumstances. You think it's because maybe your marriage or maybe your kids or maybe your job or whatever, and your circumstances are causing you anxiety. And for me in my 20s, it was that thing of what if I'm not actually saved? What if I'm actually not going to go to heaven? And and so I came into that faith and I thought, okay, now everything's going to be better. But it just got transferred because I wasn't taking care of the thought, the mindset so then it was like, what if I'm not a good enough mom? What if I'm not good enough as a wife? What if I'm ruining my kids? And I just live with so much fear and just needing that affirmation from people. And there was the pivotal moment for me was one day I was, I was laying down in my bed. And I'm like, God, I'm just done. Like, I'm never going to get 
to the point where people are pleased with me. And for me at that point was really my husband. It was like, I'm never going to be good enough. Like, I'm never going to be good enough. And God literally was just like, to me, he's like, stop doing it to get the affirmation from him. Everything that you do, you look up and get the affirmation from me. What you do, you do as an act of worship to me. And that was my journey out of people pleasing. That was my journey out of anxiety and then living into confidence. So my program is called Create Confidence because I believe once you know your worth is set because of who you are in Christ, you will have a confidence and you will live your life in that confidence. And you're going to just show up differently for yourself. You're going to show up differently for your family because you have a confidence, not because you're so good, but because of who you are in Christ. And yep, you're going to make mistakes, but it's okay because that doesn't change your worth. That doesn't change your value. So my journey out of that has been just liberating. And I feel like your story doesn't happen to you just because. Your story happens to you to feather the kingdom. And God gives you, you know, that that parable in the Bible where it's like the talents, you know, and where he gave some two, some three. And and the guy who buried his talent, he's like, whoa, that was that was bad. You know, you could have at least invested it. And and I feel like like your talent is whatever God has given you in your life. And it is meant to be shared for his glory. So that is what led me into becoming a life coach. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so do you believe it's possible to have Christian unity between evangelicals and Mennonites? I do believe that it's possible to have unity between the evangelicals and the Mennonites. And, um, Mennonites are very, um, they love unity. They love peace and they are going to be, they're going to be the first to come alongside and to work like, especially like anything that's like disaster related or needing people needing help. They're going to be there and they're going to be helping. Um, there will not be an integration of lifestyle, but there will be a unity of working together. Right. And that's, yes. you know, that's pretty much what we are after anyway, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know, um, what I, I'm, I'm glad to see that you don't really hold anything negative towards that. I know a lot of people who have left their faith, even if they're still within Christianity, hold a lot of negative feelings towards what they left behind. And, um, I feel like that's not healthy and it's really cool to see that you're like, oh no, I still, you know, I know a lot of them and uh, would you say you're still in touch with people from that community or you just a hundred percent. Um, I'm the only one in my family who's not Mennonite. Um, oh, so, so yeah. all my, my, yeah, my mom, my siblings, um, my in-laws, you know, everybody. So by, uh, we, um, one of the really awesome things about Mennonite is they network. I mean, like, you know, somebody from basically every state in the United States and I could go mm-hmm. to so many of the States and I have friends there and, you know, you would get together with them and you would, you know, even stay at their house. So I still have a huge, huge network of friends in the Mennonite community. And, and I speak for myself, but I had an amazing experience growing up. I had no, um, I know some people have really suffered in lots of religious settings, not just even the Mennonites. Um, are there things I don't like? Absolutely. But that's more about, um, how people approach, Christianity, not just Mennonites versus evangelicals. Um, yeah. 
but no, they have, they have so many good things that people can learn from. I personally do not believe that their cultural practices are essential. And that's why we chose to leave because like I said, God has really started bringing a lot of people into our lives who were not Christians. And, um, you can't say to them, Hey, come to church with me. They can come to church, but they can never become a part of the community unless they adopt that ways. You, you have yeah. to become a full blooded, <laughs> you know, Mennonite yeah. and take on all the cultural parts of it. And that's very hard if you haven't been raised in it. Yeah. That's cool though. I know you hear, I've heard a lot of stories of um, not necessarily Mennonites, just different religious practices where someone kind of left the more, I know cloistered isn't the right word, but like cloistered-ish life. And yes. uh, just by leaving their family and everybody disowns them. And it's really cool that that's not what's happening in that culture. It's, it's just, um, right. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's really You know, and that, and that speaks very highly of my own friends and family because like, um, like my own parents left the Amish church before I was born. So they went from the Amish to the Mennonites. And they experienced what they're, what you're talking about. They experienced that, you know, losing of friendships, you know, the distancing of relationships and that can still happen. Um, I would say it's becoming less and less, but, um, no, I've been very, very fortunate in that. Right. That's, that's awesome. That was just like a, a gradual progression away from being Amish. Just one generation removed. Yeah. So, so, like for us, I don't think it was a gradual progression. It was more like jumping out because there is a thing of, there is a gradual progression of for some people as how they leave the Mennonites. Um, and for us, it was a little bit different because we had actually moved outside of a Mennonite community before we left. Um, hmm. And so for some people, it's a very gradual leaving. And for us, it was, we kind of jumped out. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to assume that's pretty jarring, at least at first. It is extremely jarring, but that was where I finally came to that whole knowledge of who I was in Christ because, and, and, and here again, this was my personal experience. My husband didn't, didn't deal with that like I did, but it was, I had to come to that point of separating what I knew about religion and legalism and what was taught to me as essential. And then understanding what the scripture was actually saying. And it was extremely jarring because everything that you had done in your whole 29 years up until that was based on a framework of it was, it was dictated for you. And it, and I hate the word dictated. It was set up for you. It was in a framework for you. And so it just was, you didn't have to think about what should I do, but now outside of that framework, it's like, Oh, well, what would I do without that framework? Who am I? What do I actually believe? What does the Bible actually say? It was jarring. That was a good I think term. That's one question everyone should eventually ask themselves is what does the Bible actually say? That's a, yeah, it could be tough for some people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with all that life experience, I have a feeling we'll get a really cool answer for what, what I consider my favorite question that we ask everybody. Um, at the end of our show, when we, before we start wrapping down and everything, we always like to ask our guest if you could just give one practical thing that everybody listening can go do right now, 
and that thing would help better maintain church unity, what would it be? The thing that I would say to that is one thing that they should stop doing immediately in order to maintain church unity, and that is stop the judgment on social media. Um, it has become this um, screen for people to hide behind, to vent, to blast, to cancel. And they say and do things on social media that they would never have the nerve to do to somebody's face. But it is so full of judgment. It is so full of self-righteousness. And stop casting the stones. You know, let's get the, let's get the beam out of your own eye. And start coming before God of who you are. Get that beam out. Forget the dust in the other people's eyes. Give the grace and stop hiding behind the mask of social media of being able to throw stones from a safe distance and thinking that it's not hurting people. It's, it's devastating people. Whether you are throwing the stone of self-righteousness, of I am better than you in some way, or the stone of, I can't believe that so-and-so might even think this. So if that would stop on social media, I honestly think it could help the unity in the Christian community. Right. Uh, what do you think we would see change in the Christian community if everyone started doing that? If I feel like when you look at, when you look at um, the message of Christ, because people love to get hung up on all the different, you know, what does Paul say in the scripture and all this stuff? If people would look at the message of Christ and who surrounded Christ was uh, the not so good, you know? And, um, you know, he had prostitutes around him. He had, you know, the tax collectors and, you know, just, just the people who weren't the upper crust. I feel like if they would, if we would stop doing that and we would truly live into the message of who Jesus was and, and if we would live more like him, I think what would happen is people would be drawn to the church rather than repulsed by it. Awesome. And that's, yeah, that's, you know, uh, that's sort of the aim. <laughs> right. Yeah. We would like that to is see sort that. of the aim and we're kind of missing the mark right now. Right. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit, a little that's bit. <laughs> right. So uh, one other thing we like to do, uh, we like to give our God moment segment. Uh, it's just uh, a moment recently in our lives where we saw God in some way, uh, whether it be a challenge or a blessing or a moment of worship, anything like that. And I like to make Josh go first uh, just because. So, do you have a God moment Ooh. for us, Josh? Yeah, that's um. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a few, naturally. Um, I'm trying to pick one. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to go with a weird one. I uh, was recently given an opportunity or I was asked to do something that was ministry related. Uh, and I was asked by somebody who I did not think had a very high opinion of me. So it was kind of encouraging to be like, okay, so they actually do want me on their team. Um, it's weird because I, I wasn't available. So... As encouraging as it was and stuff, I still had to say no, which I still kind of feel bad about. But I'm counting it. That's my God moment. All right. Uh, for me, it's it's going to be a challenge, which almost never happens. Uh, hmm. Today, we found out a friend of mine has been uh, laid off 
because of a, a very arbitrary reason. Uh, so instead of making $60,000 from now until November, uh, he will probably not be making $60,000 over the next six months. Uh, so that's not ideal. And, uh, that's no, not ideal. That, no, that's not ideal. And, oh, put your faith in God. Hope he sees it through. I, uh, you know, that's what I plan on doing. So mm-hmm. that was just, you know, yeah. bad things happen. Definitely. That's right. And, and God wasn't surprised by it, right? God knew, you know, he's got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my God moment was just, it was such a good week. Um, last, uh, last week or the week, week before was at um, the Spark Conference for Christian podcasters, and there was so many God moments that week that it was just it was just fun. But my favorite was this: I felt like it was just one of those times, you know, when God, you know, just like sets things up perfectly, and He's just like looking mm-hmm. down, like, you know, isn't this so cool? But um, my flight was canceled getting into that, and then you know they rebooked me. Anyway, long story. I ended up at the airport 20 hours later than I was supposed to be. And a lady who had never met, but we had agreed to stay together, um, was five hours later than what she should have been. And we both showed up at the airport at exactly the same time. (laughs) And, you know, and we hadn't even been communicating over this whole time. It was just like, it was just such a random thing. I get there and she's like, hey, you know, where are you at? And I was like, well, I'm just, you know, getting an Uber here at the airport. She's like, no way. I'm here at the airport just getting ready to get an Uber. We shared an Uber over to the conference. And I'm like, okay, God, that was just so fun because I'm 20 hours late. She's five hours late. We could not have planned it better. Right. Yeah. They say there's no such thing as a coincidence. There's no such thing as a coincidence. And I think that those are just like those, those things where like, God delights in us. And I don't, I mean, I don't feel like that when bad things happen, it's not him delighting in us, but I think as he's delighting in us, it's just like, you know, like he's having fun with us. You know, he's, he's just saying, <laughs> Hey, you know, this, I can set this up for you. And it's so perfect. Right. Awesome. Thank you for that. So that's all we've got for you today until the end of the intro. Uh, if you want to hear that, uh, hop on over to Patreon, give us a couple of dollars, the outro, same thing. They're both ends. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It helps us a lot. It's the easiest way to make the show grow uh, or share it with an enemy. That is also very beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, Gloria, uh, where can our listeners find you and follow more of your ministry? So the best way to follow me is on my podcast. It's called Create Confidence. And um, I have a podcast that I put out pretty well every week over there. I do have a Facebook group that's called Christian Ladies Create Confidence. And then I am on Instagram at my first name, Gloria dot last name, Guadron, G-U-A-D-R-O-N. But the best place to follow me is on either the Facebook group or the podcast. All right. Awesome. For those keeping up, I pronounced her name really incorrect at the beginning. Yeah. I told you how to pronounce okay. it correctly when you told it to me the first time. <laughs> All right, TJ, you say yeah, it. Yeah, I got it right. Quadron. That's more... You are good. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're right it's, on. It's you're French, right, right? Quaker name. It's actually Hispanic. Mm. Okay. It's, it's from yeah. El Salvador. It's very similar. 
All right. It so, uh, some future guests uh, of podcast. We've got Dave Ebert, host of the Gifts for Glory podcast. Uh, return guests, Dr. Pete and Pete, Dr. Pete Tur Beck and Dr. Pete Link. Uh, Dr. John Soden, co-author of In the Beginning, dot, 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 We Misunderstood. And of course, at the end of season one, we're going to have Francis Chan on the show. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does he know? That's awesome. I, uh, I kind of hope he doesn't know because that would mean <laughs> he has declined. But when he finds out he's invited, <laughs> yeah. then that's when we'll end season one. So thank you all for listening. Perfect. We, yeah. We also appreciate your time. Uh, remember to share this with some people. That helps a lot. And have a good one.